Welcome to The Big Idea, a podcast brought to you by NCA's ORCOM Identity, Diversity, Equity, and Access Committee. In today's episode, we'll talk with leaders of the ORCOM Idea Committee about what it looks like to practice inclusion and what fostering belonging means in ORCOM. So we have Amy Way from Villanova University. Hey, Amy. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Ashton Mouton from Sam Houston State University. Hey, Ashton. Hey. Happy to be here. Awesome. Corey Rutlinger from Arizona State University. Hey, Corey. Hello. Uh, it's great to be here. Awesome. And I'm co-hosting with Blessing Okapor from University of Missouri. Hi. I'm excited to co-host this with you. Awesome. Let's let's dive right in. So we form part of the National Communications ORCOM Idea Committee, a committee on identity, diversity, equity, and access. And we we collectively work together on this initiative, but that's a pretty large task to undertake. So let's let's kind of bring that down to a practice level for our listeners. What does idea in organizational communication mean to you? Let's uh, start with Amy. Thanks. Uh, as a person who, um, you know, I, I think I have a lot of privilege. I'm um, white. Um, I'm a tenured faculty member. Um, so so for me, uh, idea has meant a lot of listening and educating myself. And then I would say also in places where I can trying to disrupt. Um, so disrupting things in terms of, um, you know, the type of scholarship that counts as ORCOM scholarship, disrupting things like what counts for things like tenure, like I'm thinking specifically of my work um, as a community engaged scholar, and then disrupting things in terms of the typical course readings that I would assign to someone like a student in an undergraduate or graduate level ORCOM class. So that's really what it's meant to me over the past, you know, few years of, of immersing myself in this. So <laughs> disruption, that's, uh, I actually have that written on my paper as well. Um, but it means also for me just actively questioning every day, every moment who benefits from something. So like Amy, I have a lot of privilege. I'm white. I work in a college of business. I'm not tenured yet, hopefully. Um, And so I also, I want to know who benefits from something. So if we have a policy and we're talking about revising it, that's something we're doing right now at Sam Houston. We're actively revising all of the tenure and promotion policies, post-tenure review um, and merit. And so I have been probably more active than I should have been in that process because Um, I want to question why we're writing rules that we're writing and then who those rules benefit in the long run. Um, So for me, it's just questioning the benefits for who gets them, who doesn't get them, who's excluded, who's included, and then just working the structure to spread those benefits. And it also means questioning myself and my motives and, and what I get out of something as well. 
Uh, it's ironic that we're all kind of on the same page with disruption. It's because I too am actually one of my handles. The way that I put myself on social media is calculable disruption, and it's like that. That's kind of my tag name. And because the way I carry myself through my life is being able to do. Uh, a look at my words and a look at the way that I'm acting and say, what am I doing that is calculably making change or making something that's very intentional, such that I'm disrupting normative scripts, things that carry the same systemic pressures that uh, keep us in a space where we may have some power asymmetries happen. So for me, it's always about disruption. Um, the way that I go through and think about things is like I want. And to have in everyday conversations something where I can humanize somebody else and humanize myself as well, and recognize that I can give myself compassion when I'm making mistakes,、um, and recognize that we're all human enough to make those mistakes and become better people. And so for me, it's really at a like the core level of just like everyday working better to become someone better, to become more mindful, to become more. Calculably disruptive with the norms that I carry, and to say that some of these norms are not doing justice to myself or the people around me. Well, that, that's really interesting to see how disruption is, you know, a word that is coming up from this conversation. I, I was just wondering, what pushbacks have you all received as a result of, you know, trying to disrupt? These normative scripts, or even you know these things that you have mentioned. I think some of the pushback that I'm hearing, and and, and this is no one on the on the committee,、um, but some of the pushback I'm hearing is in as we as a division try to recognize the ways that we are reinforcing these systems of privilege and and marginalization. When when folks have tried to do the work to. Call that out and to imagine differently. I could think of specific examples, but、um, there, there's often pushback amongst us, amongst our own members and the people, sometimes doing that work. And again, I'm not talking about anyone on this committee at all, but、um, throughout, you know, throughout the division membership, there, there is pushback,、um, and there's concern for, you know, how. You know how things are going to look, or、um, how decisions are made, or whether that falls in line with bylaws. Even though we might be already admitting that bylaws are privileged, you know they privilege a certain group of people, and they are they can be grounded in white supremacy. So it's a small example, and I guess I was intentionally sort of, but I noticed just in doing this work, I was I was almost surprised in how when we have these conversations. About changing our structures, that even among people who I think we all are committed to this work, there's there's still pushback. And if you don't mind, I'll add. This is Ashton.、Um, privilege likes to protect itself, right? So、mm. Amy's being vague because the part of the challenges are in speaking out, right? So you have to be really careful who you challenge or who. You stand up to, and as someone who is not tenured, that reality is for me every day, right? Like, I don't want to upset the wrong person who may hold it against me. So I think a challenge, just without naming any 
one in our division or at my workplace is just you just a challenge is that you just have to be really careful in how you step and where you step and if it's important enough to understand that it might come with consequences that's all yeah Corey here um i think the biggest pushback that i get is i get being called weird or <laughs> i'm like which i'm kind of used to like being disabled being queer um being in a space where i'm recognizing my own autistic like being is like oh yeah weirdness is very like normal for me but also it's like that means a lot in terms of like you're disrupting something that a lot of people think is like why are you doing what you're doing because what's what is that going to eventually do to like the ways that we have always done something um kept tradition alive or kept the things that are creating the structure for what we think is supposed to happen within this vision and for me it's just like well weirdness is one way of creating something new it's creating something that may get us to a space where things are better and so i just embrace that weirdness and be like yeah i am weird i am weird for trying to create that disruption but at least i'm trying something that's going to make i hope things better for everybody yeah i i hear all of you and we all come at this and we all come at this work from a variety of different perspectives different positionalities i myself as a junior scholar in the field i i feel on it I, I understand this and part of part of the work of what idea means to me if if I may is this idea of building community and feeling like I belong in in the discipline and that my work and the way that I approach my work although necessarily hasn't always been represented in the mainstream way that orcom is orcom and has come historically to be known as orcom having the community and the empowerment to to recognize that there's support and um there's power in in numbers and there's representation and visibility so yeah i i i definitely agree and i think that it's definitely a tug and pull and based on how we show up in the field and you know whether we're tenured or not tenured or work in industry we all kind of um we all form part part of the system so i'm i'm really glad to hear and to kind of be able to talk about this and hear your perspectives about what this kind of work means because i think oftentimes it gets um it's a bit fuzzy for people that don't necessarily understand what a idea committee um is focused on and the work that we do Absolutely, Ignacio. I really agree with you. And I'm happy that you mentioned um, belonging. And now that you have actually talked about belonging, which is one key concept that is, you know, tied to the concept of idea. What does belonging mean to you? And could you describe how you felt most connected to the Ocom division? Ashton, do you want to go first? <laughs> Put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I guess belonging for me really boils down to voice. So am I allowed to speak and am I heard when I do speak? 
Um, and I think uh, feeling connected, I, I, when you're a grad student, the Orcon division just feels like this giant, terrifying division where you're supposed to insert yourself and meet people. And there are a lot of people, myself included, who would shy away from that. Uh, and so uh, I was a faculty member before we came up with the mentoring committee, but I think that that's brilliant because it helps people to belong and be included. I have felt most connected to OrgCom by being on this committee, actually, which is weird to say given my previous answer. Um, it, it has made me feel like there are a lot of people in our division who want to make space and want to um, want to make others feel included and hear them and see them and know them. And so I think that despite the challenges of doing idea work and idea research, being on this committee with the really amazing, excellent other people who are serving on this committee and in our division leadership has made me feel very connected and I have felt more belonging coming out of grad school than I thought I would. For me, belongingness has always boiled down to uh, individual perception. It's like someone can maybe belong, but also not feel like they're belonging. Um, I kind of wrote about this with inclusivity. One of our main tenets for IDEA is that we don't get to decide who, what inclusion means. We are only allowing for the space for people themselves to decide how they want to be included inside of the space. So if someone doesn't feel like they're being included, then they're not being included. And therefore we can't preach to inclusivity that way. And I think that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, where does body show up? Um, where do we get to say like a body can show up and feel like they may uh, belong in some manner but not belong in other manners and it's those spaces where they don't belong in those other manners or that the spaces where they don't feel like they're belonging I think that's where we need to be more attentive to so that we can say what is it that we're possibly maintaining in a normative way that's making people not feel like they're um, capable of wanting to be belonging to this division. And I think giving us that permission to say, maybe we're taking up too much space, maybe we need to take a step back, or maybe we need to give more space, or maybe we need to take some space. It's like, we need to recognize that belongingness is a continuum of like, some people may feel like they're belonging in a space and some people may not. I like the idea of a continuum. Um, it also made me think of like, uh, maybe you slide on that continuum, right? So like at a certain point in time, you may be on the side where you feel like you don't belong and then you slide over the other way, but then you can go back, right? Mm -hmm. um, I like that idea. It's That's, just a nice metaphor. I think along that continuum idea, for me, when, when blessing, when you ask where or when we feel most connected to organizational communication, for me, the times that I feel most connected and most invigorated are in these smaller settings. So Ashton, like you, whether it, whether it be um, working with just a few scholars that I didn't know in ORCOM on something like an idea committee, or I just did an academic program review at another university, um, or for me, it's really places like smaller conferences, um, NCA and ICA and things like that have their place, of course, but the times I'm, I've, I've felt most belonging and included and embraced 
for the unique contributions that I have has been at small conferences like the Aspen Engaged Conference or um, things like, you know, the Orcom Mini Conference, things things like that. So, so that for me is when I um, feel the most connected and the most belonging. Awesome. So Ashton, you mentioned something that really stood out for me and I'm speaking from the lens of being a grad student. You said that the division could be a giant, terrifying one, right? Especially if you are new as a grad student. One thing that my advisor, that is a Dr. Debbie Dorothy and um, Dr. Rebecca Meisenberg, one thing they've done or they are still doing for their grad student is when we get to, you know, um, conferences like this, they ask us, is there anybody, any scholar that you'd like to meet? You know, maybe somebody you've read their work and you're so excited to, to discuss with the person. Is there someone you want to meet? We can introduce you to them. Or sometimes they might just go to, um, so they might just introduce us to some of the scholars, you know, some of the members of the division and say, hey, meet this. These are my grad students. What, you know, I think that has really helped me to feel really belong to the division. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I Advisors can make such an important, um, they can be such an important role, right, in um, bringing in new people to the division. I think that's a really nice story. Um, I, I also had advisors that were willing to help me make connections and, and show me around and introduce me to people, but I still felt terrified, <laughs> you know, like, um, because once the introduction is made, I always felt like, okay, now I have to stand up on my own and and make this conversation work, you know? So for me, that still felt a little daunting, even though I had the support. So, but yeah, I, I do love it when advisors are, are like really help their grad students get into the division. I think that's a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I, I think we're, we're hitting on the A in idea, <laughs> this idea of access, right? <laughs> Um, I, I'm, I definitely relate and resonate with a lot of this. I, growing up in South Texas, the first generation kid from the border, going to UT Austin, and my first NCA was when I was a junior in college. And that's very atypical for a lot of people, but there's so much that happens behind the scenes. And just the, the being an academic, and a scholar, I think that the idea of access and the idea of thinking about how others are able to open up doors for you, but how as you're climbing the ladder up, you can lend a hand down and, and do the same for others. And I think that I think that this conversation is just is just lovely about this idea of what access and what that looks in practice. Right, so we figured that we'd do something a little fun and we're calling it the lightning round. We have two questions we want to get through that are kind of spitfire questions. And the first one is, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to someone starting out in the field? I'll go first because I I'm <laughs> I'm like one of the old I'm one of the oldies on this call. <laughs> um ouch, that hurts. Um <laughs> 
I know that this advice is like not novel at all. Um, and I know it's so, so very hard because I struggle with it and I know others do, but you know, mine is just like run your race. Like you just, you just don't know what is going on in other people's lives. Um, whether that's, they're amazingly productive and they make you feel silly or, um, whether you think that they're not productive or they're not successful or whatever, you just you just have no idea, and it and it frankly doesn't matter. Um, so to the extent that you can just not worry about what other people are doing and just instead celebrate everyone's accomplishments, it I think it's the toughest piece of advice that I still struggle with, but that's the one I would give. Um, so I think my piece of advice is going to go back to that thing I said I struggled with, right? Which is meeting people <laughs> and talking to them and, and starting that very first conversation. My advice is meet as many people as possible in the division and beyond. Um, the more you can network, and this might be the college of business coming out in me, right? Um, but the more you can network, the more you can start to perspective take, right? So if you come back to questioning everything, um, who does it benefit? Who does it privilege? The more open you are to other people's perspectives and other people's um, opinions, the more people you meet, the more you will understand. Corey, do you want to go? Oh, yeah. Um, For me, uh, my biggest piece of advice would be be you, do you, um, pave your own path and work calm. don't do the things that people expect you to do. Um, find a way to try and create something that's uniquely yours, that fits to you and fits to your passion. Um, one thing I really respected was how my advisor saw what I could do and said, you can pave your own niche of research by harnessing your skills. And that gave me the greatest confidence because I know that I can just be myself. And I don't have to apologize for the way that I may be weird. <laughs> um, and so it's like, I encourage people to just be weird. So, yeah. <laughs> Great. So um, the last question is, what is one important lesson you have learned in your career so far? Oh, uh, yeah. One important lesson that I would say is um, forgive yourself a lot. Give yourself compassion. Um, it's a long road, it's a long journey, and I don't think we give ourselves enough space to kind of say, like, we're doing good work. Um, a lot of people don't do this work, and it takes a lot of courage, and it takes a lot of emotions that are around this to kind of really do stuff in this field, um, to make it to where we can all make humanity better so i think we just need to forgive ourselves and give ourselves some compassion for the times that we may be hard on ourselves this is ashton uh and i think one important lesson i've learned has to do with my favorite orcom theory um so my favorite theory is structuration theory and structuration or structure is built on the combination of rules and resources so if you think about the rules you make for yourself to get stuff done and then the rules you have to follow in your department or in your associations or you know jobs etc uh the one important lesson i have learned in my career so far is that sometimes you have to break the rules 
And whether those rules are your own rules or those rules are institutional rules, um, sometimes they need to be broken um, in order for you to make a breakthrough as an individual researcher or um, as an idea scholar or, you know, just to help other people. Um, not always, but sometimes. I would say the probably the most important lesson I've learned is to not underestimate the power of like the small things that you're doing. Um, so yeah, it feels, I'll speak for myself, but it feels like, um, sure, nobody reads my research, uh, right? I don't have a whole bunch of citations. Um, maybe I'm not at the point in my career where I've, you know, um, started a, a program or a center or something like that. But um, I have to always remind myself that even like through teaching a class, um, maybe there's a class project that I can assign that like gets students to make change in their lives or on their campus. Um, or maybe it's just a conversation at, you know, at a, at a conference or something that I, that I have with someone else that, that sparks an idea um, or a small change that, that could be made. Um, or I learned that, you know, sometimes when you think a semester or a class is the worst one you've ever taught, which is like, you know, every semester I think that, <laughs> then a student will come back to you and you don't even realize what it meant to them and how, you know, they were going through something and it was like a safe space for them. So for me, it's just like, don't underestimate that you, even like the smallest actions that you have, whether it's like waking up that day and teaching that lecture, or sitting in your office hours and waiting for that student to drop by, like you, you actually are making really important change in the world. What a perfect way to, to end this. Be yourself, break rules, and uh, <laughs> your small actions lead to big outcomes and changes. Amy, Ashton, Corey, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank this you. has been fun. Well, that's it from us today. I'm Ignacio Cruz. And I'm Blessed Hinocapo. This is The Big Idea. We'll see you next time.